0: Well, hello and welcome to round two, Moncton Magic fans and fans of the NBLC. I'm Scott Squires. Very pleased to have you along for Magic Time today and pleased to be joined by the usual guest on Magic Time, the head coach of the Moncton Magic, Joe Salerno. Uh,
1: How are you doing, coach? I'm doing well, Scott. Good morning. How are you? I am
0: doing excellent, sir. Uh, Well, here we are. Round two, familiar foes, the Moncton Magic the Halifax Hurricanes, in a best of seven. Uh, since you found out that Halifax was going to be your opponent a couple of days ago, Coach, uh, what have the last few days been like for you and the coaching staff?
1: Oh, they've been busy. You know, they've certainly been busy. We, um, you know, it was such a great series with uh, with Halifax and Cape Breton. You know, you, re- you really didn't know which which way that was going to go. Um, so obviously since, since uh, Halifax – finished off the series we've been we been very busy just uh, into a lot of halifax film and um, you know reviewing our games with them over the course of the season and then of course reviewing uh, a lot of their most recent games and in, in that series with with cape Breton. Uh, just trying to prepare and, and be ready to go for tomorrow night
0: different circumstances but not unlike the Moncton magic the halifax hurricanes a somewhat different looking roster compared to the one that they started out the regular season with and I guess that's kind of applicable to talk about here because kind of a, a strange anomaly with the, the NBLC schedule, the bulk of the games that you played versus Halifax, which was six in total on the year, you played most of them right off the top. You've only played them twice, I believe, uh, since the turn of the calendar to the new year 2019. Uh, but what do you look in terms of a, a couple of things that stand out to you about this Halifax team? that you know you really want to key on to be able to shut them down.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you. It is it is a little bit interesting. I, I thought our our schedule with Halifax was was interesting as a whole when the when the schedule first came out, you know, only playing them six times and, and only two of those games, you know, at home this season. You know, we had to go to Scotiabank four times uh over the course of the season and, and you're right, we haven't seen them for, for quite some time. They actually haven't been uh to the Avenir Center since December fourteenth. Um, so it's been a long time since Moncton fans have seen Halifax in our building, but, um, you know, very, very good team. I mean, obviously they're, uh, like, like usual, they're, they're a well-coached team. Um, you know, they have an awful lot of firepower at the wing positions, uh, you know, with Mike Poole, Joel Kindred and, and Terry Thomas. Um, you know, those three guys combined for, for 72 points in game five against Cape Breton. Um, so a lot of, a lot of firepower there. And, and then, you know, the other thing that really stands out is it's just their overall sheer size. You know, they just have a a huge front court. Uh, When you talk about the Lufiel brothers, Shadrach and Meshach, and of course, Ramil Brown, who was the defensive player of the year, Um, you know, uh, Chad Posthumus, And, you know, they just have a a lot of size Uh, Jordan Washington, you know, in that front court. And then their wings have great size, you know, the three guys I just mentioned. So, you know, big team that, that certainly can score in, in different ways. So, um, you know, we, we have our hands full, for sure.
0: And, you know, it, it is interesting, as you said, you played them six times. Only two, you said it, at the Avenue Center. But you had great success against the Halifax Hurricanes in the regular season. You went 5-1. and one. Uh, So, obviously, uh, you know, uh, the bulk of those wins were on the road down at Scotiabank Center. So, that's one of those little things that you can kind of pull away and, and kind of store in the back of your mind. But again, the regular season is the regular season, and we've talked about it on previous podcasts. It's a whole different animal when you get into the playoffs. You know, uh, whistles can change. Uh, strategies can change. Uh, a lot of things can change. But what are a couple of things from playing this team in the regular season, whether it's having to play so much down at Scotiabank Center or getting to know certain players? But what are a couple of things, before we talk about their playoff series with Cape Breton, What's some things that you were able to pull away from the regular season look back that you think might be able to help you a little
1: bit? Well, I think we just know, I mean, first, that, that we we certainly respect them as an opponent. Um, you know, we may have gone five and, and one against them in the in the regular season. But, uh, you know, a few of those games were, were very tight, you know, could have gone either way. Um you know, and they're, they're just a team they understand how to play. You know, they they play very well. They share the basketball. You know, I think they, they lead the league in assists per game. And, um, you know, so they keep you on your, your heels for sure. You know, they've got a lot of different guys that, that can hurt you. Um, but I think, it, you know, take takeaways from the regular season is, you know, confidence. You know, we know we can beat this team. We know we can beat this team, you know, on the road, um, you know, and at home. But we also understand that, you know, the caliber of players they have and, and the caliber of team that they are. Um, so, you know, there is nothing taken lightly and, and we fully understand, you know, this, this probably, you know, this may very well could be our, our toughest series, uh, in the post season. So, um, you know, I like that. I, I like the thought that our guys understand this is going to be a very, very difficult opponent. Um, this is an opponent that, that knocked us out of the playoffs last year. You know, they have, they have quite a few guys, you know, returning from that team. So, it's uh it's exciting and, and like I said, I think our, our heads are on straight and, and we're ready to go.
0: And I know that, you know, a lot of coaches will talk to their teams about what you are talking about, which is when you have something in front of you, you know, if it's going to be perhaps your toughest series or your toughest opponent, you know, not to shy or shrink away from the challenge to kind of step up to meet it. And again, this is a professional team. You know, these guys are pros. This is what they do. It's their life. It's their living. But, you know, there's a couple of young guys on the team. But what kind of has been a constant message from the coaching staff to your guys over the last few days getting ready for tip-off tomorrow night in terms of what they're facing? Because Halifax has kind of been the perennial champion coming out of this division.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's been a lot of talk, um, you know, in our locker room amongst the guys. You know, when that Cape Breton series was, was going back and forth, uh, Halifax, Cape Breton, you know, we were constantly being asked the question, you know, who would you rather play? You know, who do you think is going to win that series and, and who would you like to see in the, in the finals? And, you know, I, either opponent was going to be difficult. And I, I think there is a common thread am, along, you know, among our guys that, you know, deep down, we kind of wanted Halifax, you know, we kind of wanted that, that challenge, uh, they have been the most dominant team in this division the last several years. And, you know, again, that's a kind of a spot that, that we're trying to take over the the reputation of, of being the best team over on, on this side of the NBL. And I think we all know, um, you know, to earn that, that kind of spot or that recognition you got, you have to beat Halifax. So I, I do think it's a common feel that, that we were, you know, you know, kind of deep down wanting Halifax and, and wanting to play them and, um, you know, being up for the challenge. So I know that's kind of been a, a little bit of a, of a theme, kind of quietly whispered, I think, amongst the guys a little bit. And, um, you know, and then just as far as, as what the other message, it's still the start, you know, the same message we've had from the start of the playoffs, and that was, you know, be focused today, be focused on what we're doing right now. Um, you know, whether it's it's film, whether it's small, we've done a lot of small group film sessions here in the postseason, you know, player-specific, um you know whether it's practice whether it's whatever we're doing just be focused on the moment right now and and that's it you know we're not looking at anything else and um that's been the message i've been trying to relay since the start of the playoffs and um you know i'm continuing to to do that now
0: and coach we talked about it prior to your series in round one versus the saint john riptide the moncton magic had a bit of a, a layoff if you will between the end of the regular season and the start of the playoffs And we talked on another podcast, you know, about how much the guys were chomping at the bid and they had the eye of the tiger and they couldn't wait for tip-off just to get the ball going. And because of your three-game sweep of a pretty tough St. John Riptide team, you found yourself in that situation again with a little bit of a layoff, a little bit of a break. Uh, With the eye of the tiger and and that kind of playoff mode activated with uh, certainly a couple of guys in particular that we saw leading up to the first series... What have you seen from your guys? I know you just mentioned about there's been a little, you know, some talking and some stuff getting ready, but what have you seen from your guys when they've been out there practice or whatever the case may be uh, just ahead of uh, game one tomorrow?
1: I think I've, you know, I think the, the common thing that I've seen you know, amongst most of the guys is, is, you know, they're anxious. I think they're anxious to, to get rolling, which I think is is to be expected. um, but I also think there, there's a confidence, you know. I think they're they're confident going into this series. Uh, I think they all feel if if we play our best basketball, which is what it will take. I mean, it will take playing our best basketball to, to beat this Halifax team. Um, but if we can do that, I think they're confident that we can win this series. You know, so there's there's just um, some anxiousness going on. You know, we we want to get started. This this layoff was was a little longer than what I would have liked. This was you know seven seven to eight days here, I think, uh, in between series. You know, you, you probably would have preferred that to be five or six. Um, but I think we've used it wisely. Um, I'm hoping that we don't see the same kind of rust that we saw to, you know, the start of the first quarter here in this series that we did with the St. John series. But, uh, you know, we've been practicing. We've been doing a lot of things live in practice, um, just trying to keep the guys, you know, ready to roll. So um, we just we just want to get this baby started. That's all.
0: Yeah, I know that uh, the fans uh, feel much the same way, as are Dave Tingley and I, of course, the broadcaster for Moncton Magic Home Games. We can't wait either, coach. Now We talked about some of the takeaways from the regular season matchup, but more recently, and and you said yourself that you were kind of watching, obviously very closely, the Cape Breton-Halifax series because one of those two teams was going to be your next opponent. And kind of interesting the way that series went down. I think, uh, and no disrespect to Cape Breton, but I think... Uh, you know, a lot of uh, fans were thinking that Halifax was going to kind of have a, a little bit of an easier time with the Highlanders than they ended up having. Cape Breton taking game one on the road in Halifax. And in the series itself, it went five games, but Halifax, you know, they they lost the first game at home, then they won at home, they went down to Cape Breton and won, then they lost game four in Cape Breton to take it back to Halifax for a game five, which Halifax kind of really let it all hang out in that game five. But again, just kind of a back and forth series, Halifax losing at home, losing on the road. Uh, When you break down that series and you look at the film, you know, obviously, you know this team well. And again, I'll say it, no surprises. But were there a couple of things that you were maybe able to, to pluck out of that five game series that you and the coaching staff were like, hmm, maybe this is something that we can tweak or expose or whatever the case may be?
1: Yeah, I mean there's definitely some things that, that we want to, to try to expose or things we want to exploit. Um, you know, that that's kind of the whole purpose when you're you're kind of scouting your opponent. You know, certainly from the defensive side of things, you know, how we want to defend, you know, their main actions, you know, what kind of positions we want to try or attempt to put them in. Um, obviously from an individual standpoint, they really have some guys that, that can hurt you. You know, obviously Terry, uh, you know, Mike Poole. Uh, Malcolm Devivier, I think, is a guy that that can be a bit of an X factor uh, in a series. You know, his ability to shoot the basketball. I think he's certainly their best perimeter threat, um, and he's kind of an unsung hero. You know, I think is a guy that we have to to make sure we keep in check. Uh, and then Jordan Washington, you know, to me is, is the true X factor. You know, Jordan Washington is a tremendous inside scorer. Um, you know, and he's a guy who you know really only averaged about twenty minutes per game. You know, but he was averaging about 14 points and five boards during that time over the course of the regular season. So I would assume with with kind of how our, our lineup runs, uh, Jordan Washington would see a lot more time this series. Again, that's an assumption. Um, but, you know, just being prepared for those those type of guys and, and then certainly, you know, trying to figure out what our strengths may be offensively uh, based on how Halifax defends things. So, you know, but there's definitely some things, you know, you could take out that were a little new. You know, the interesting thing is, is we are much, much different than Cape Breton. Um, you know, where Cape Breton plays a ton of small ball, you know, where they really run four guards out there. And, and you saw Halifax do that a lot in that series, you know, running literally four guards out there a lot of the time. And whether that was to match up better with Cape Breton or they thought it would play to their advantage, um, I'm not sure that they'll be able to do that against us, um, you know, with guys like Billy White and, and Freddie McSwain. Uh, at that four spot so it'll be interesting to see um you know and, and you really won't be able to, to tell you know until until the ball goes up tomorrow night
0: and it's interesting again when you look at it uh again i know it was the regular season but you guys haven't played one another since back in february matter of fact it's almost two months to the day february 18th so even though you are familiar foes in in terms of playing each other you know you're in the same division uh, does it seem like a really, really long time since you've seen the Halifax Hurricanes, Coach?
1: Yeah, it does. I mean, it it, it does. It seems like an awfully long time. Um, you know, I think with the, you know, especially the way we ended the year, you know, we had kind of a, a long, tough road trip, a lot of games in a short amount of time. And, and you know, those type trips can, can make things seem, you know, before that even even longer. I mean, it just seems like we haven't seen them for an awfully long time. I mean, obviously we've watched a a, a ton of their games, Um, you know, and I'm always watching games if if they're playing and we have off nights or whatever, I'm, I'm always kind of tuned into the NBA live uh, stream. So, you know, it, it it definitely um, almost seems like a unfamiliar opponent, but I know as soon as, you know, the ball goes up, you know, it, it, we're, we're going to settle in very quickly. I think both teams are because I think both teams are very familiar uh, with the individual personnel on each team. And and now it's really just about, you know, making adjustments based on what they're trying to do, you know, with that personnel. So uh, it's exciting. I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm, I'm, you know, I know uh, uh, coach Leslie is, I spoke with him a little bit and uh, you know, it's going to be a great series.
0: I'm sure that you guys weren't giving any, any secrets away though when you had that chat coach.
1: No, 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 not so much. Mike and I, we're both pretty competitive guys. Um, You know, he's he's got the best of me the last couple of years. So, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully this year we can change that.
0: And you mentioned individual personnel. Obviously, basketball, a team game. And we know the depth that you have with the Moncton Magic. I mean, the old term, the bench mob, right? But you guys have had a lot of depth and you've played extremely well up and down the lineup. But it's hard not to focus on one uh, individual uh, scenario in particular. And not that they're going to go head-to-head, but certainly Billy White for the Moncton Magic, Terry Thomas for the Halifax Hurricanes. Uh, Fans of both of those teams would certainly be aware of the trade prior to the season that swapped those two high-caliber, high-profile players. Uh, But for various reasons, uh, they didn't really have a whole lot of time or a whole lot of opportunity to play one another during the regular season, and again, it's a team game, and I know that coaches don't focus on this, but for the fans, it's going to be fun to kind of look at those two players and kind of see the dynamic that they bring. Uh, What excites you most about seeing Billy and Terry out on the floor, especially because of the roles that each played with the other team last year?
1: Yeah, I think it's exciting. I mean, I think it adds a storyline to the series. Um, You know, there's no doubt that you know, we we made that move and and kind of pushed for that trade to to get Billy White for the postseason. Um, he's a guy that that just you know raises his level of play in the playoffs every year. You know, he's been to to three NBL Canada finals, and um, you know this was a big reason why we made that trade to to bring Billy White here. Uh, to help us in the postseason and really help us with the hurdle of, of getting over Halifax, getting past Halifax. So, you know, that, that's exciting. Um, and, you know, on, on Terry's side, I mean, Terry is a, is a competitor, you know, I had, you know, I coached Terry for, for three years uh, in this league and, you know, obviously we're very familiar with each other and, and, you know, Terry, Terry plays hard. He plays hard all the time and, and it's, it's exciting. He's an exciting player He brings a lot of, you know, kind of charisma and energy to a game. And, you know, I know this is certainly a series that he's probably excited about as as well. I think for both guys, though, you know, it really knowing them both fairly well, I I don't think it really has anything to do with, you know, Moncton versus Halifax or, you know, I'm playing my former team. I think it has an awful lot more to do with with getting to a finals. You know, I know how bad, you know, Billy White wants another another ring you know, having lost the last two years in the finals. And I know how bad Terry Thomas, you know, wants to get to his first NBL final. So uh, it's certainly an exciting storyline. There's two big-time players, and uh, you know, you really look for for both those guys to have major impacts on, on the series.
0: Now, I'm sure that you're well aware of this, Coach, but uh, folks like me, and fans in general, like to look at things and break things down. And, and again, just to go back to the regular season for a second, you know, I've I've Heard some fans um, talk about, you know, the last game that Moncton and Halifax played back in February 18th, that was the only game that Moncton lost. They had won five in a row. But the last game that these two teams played, Halifax won in Scotiabanks Center in Halifax, 191. And fans are kind of wondering aloud, hey, did Halifax figure something out? You know, did they break the code or whatever the case may be? Again, long time ago, two months, there's been some personnel changes but looking back to that game, because I know if memory serves me, uh, you and the coaching staff weren't overly pleased with with how things went in that game from the performance of the Magic. But can you remember back to that February 18th game, coach, and maybe take a couple of things that contributed to the only loss that you guys suffered versus Halifax on the year?
1: Um, I mean, there's a few things to take away, and yes, we weren't really pleased with that game. You know, although it's you know it's a nine point loss on the road to you know, the second-best team in, in the NBL in the regular season. Um, you know, that was that was only Trey Kells. That was only his third game with us. It was actually his first road game with us. It was also Freddie McSwain's first road game uh, with us in this league. And, you know, that was at the tail end of that kind of transitional time, you know, where we had lost Duke Monday, and we were still trying to kind of get our footing a little bit and, and kind of figure things out. Um, you know, we we didn't play real well that game. You know, Halifax actually shot the ball fairly well that game, and, you know, it was just a tough loss. You know, Halifax played well, and, um, you know, it is what it is. I don't think there's a whole lot to to look into, you know, to that one that one loss and, you know, well, it was, was a puzzle solved, and, you know, I'm not going to look too far into that. You know, the same way, I don't think you can look too much into the fact of the, the series record in the regular season because they were close games, you know, both ways so like you said man the regular season is over and um i think it's really now it's it's just it's just the playoffs it's just about this series
0: and you know one of the things that you've been talking about all season long right from the get-go before the tip for the first game of the regular season were the different goals that you and the team had and one of them was to win the division and strive to have the best overall record in the league if you could to have home court advantage throughout the playoffs. You've gotten that. And you played well at home last year when it was the Coliseum. But this year, at the Avenir Center, Coach, the Moncton Magic have been lights out, going 17-3 and in the regular season at home, going 2-0 and in the playoffs, so 19-3 overall. Really, really big, energetic crowds uh, for the first couple of games of round one. And we talked about how much of a lift that game to the guys and that the guys were actually talking about it, both buildings, you know, you, you hear that term, right? The sixth player, the sixth person, you know, on the floor is actually the fans. You know, what kind of role do you see the fans in both Moncton and Halifax playing in this series?
1: Oh, I think it's, it's a huge role. Um, you know, the Avenue Center has been the friendliest building, you know, to anybody, to a home team uh, in, in the NBL Canada this year. And, and, you know, we're proud of that, and we're certainly you know, proud and appreciate our fans and the support they give us. And, you know, the guys, they just have a confidence in this building. And I think when you put a, a 19-3 and record together at home, you know, they, they should have confidence here. So, you know, I think home court does does play a, a bit of a factor uh, in this series. Um, of course, it's a 2-2, a you know, 1-1-1 format, which is a, obviously much different than a 2-3-2, than a which a lot of times is the traditional format and a best-of-seven um but you certainly can't take anything away from from Halifax and in the Scotiabank Arena i mean you know i think they're 19 and 6 at home this year so i think they've also um uh, you know had a very very good season at home and Scotiabank i i still say is, is one of the toughest places to win uh when Halifax or you know when they get on a roll in the fourth quarter um you know that building comes to life and you know i've i've been coaching there in that building for really nine seasons now, dating all the way back to the PBL. And, you know, I've, I've seen an awful lot of, you know, tight games sway, you know, Halifax's way, you know, when the energy in that building starts in the fourth quarter. So I think I think there's a home court advantage for, for both teams in this series. And, and that's why it's just absolutely vital that you take care of home court. Um, and, you know, you, we we get off to a good start tomorrow night and, and, you know, protect your home floor. So it's going to be tough to win on the road uh, in this series.
0: And, Coach, uh, I'll ask you this next one, not because I'm, I'm asking you to look past the Halifax Hurricanes in the next series, because I know you would never do that, but I also know that as a coach and, and doing what you do, that you're going to be paying some attention to the other series, the the St. John's Edge battled back against a really tough Sudbury 5 team to advance uh, to the Central Division final against the Kitchener-Waterloo Titans, who I think, to most people, really surprised by eliminating the defending champion, London Lightning. Uh, maybe just uh, your thoughts on on what should be a really entertaining series between the St. John's Edge and the KW Titans.
1: Yeah, I think it will be an entertaining series. And, um, you know, I, I watched a, a little bit of the, the Central Division, not a lot, to be honest with you. Um, I, I watched games four and five, really, kind of when our series was over with St. John. And and to be 100% honest with you, I, I probably won't watch a single Central Division final game, <laughs> you know, until our series is over. Um, that's how much time kind of goes into to our series. But um, I think it's going to be a, a fun series. I think it's exciting that, you know, there's there's two new opponents. They're like a new opponent will come out of the Central Division, you know, where London has been the only team to come out the last three years, um, four years maybe even. So I think that's really exciting for fans. I think it's great for the league. Um, you know, I have a, a former player. who I'm, I'm really pretty close with, uh, Akeem Ellis, um, who plays for, for Kitchener Waterloo. And, you know, Akeem played for me a few years back over on the island. And, you know, he went to China with me for a month, you know, a few years back and just really kind of rooting, rooting for Akeem. Um, you know, I'm good friends with Cavell Johnson, the head coach, uh, with KW. So I'd love to see those guys do well. You know, they kind of just slipped into the, the postseason. Um, and, they, you know, it almost seems like they kind of have this us-against-the-world mentality right now as this kind of true underdog, and I think they've grasped that role. So, you know, you get a team focused like that, they can be tough to beat. And, you know, on the other side of the coin, you know, I think The, the Rock is, is really one of the toughest places to play uh in the league. I think it's going to be very difficult to beat them in a seven-game series, you know, with them having home-court advantage. You know, you're also hearing rumors of Carl Ingers coming back. You know, for this series. And um, they actually just this morning signed today Kyle Johnson as an emergency IR designate. I just got the email this morning, which is a another huge piece, you know, for the edge. So I think it's going to be a tough series. Um, you know, I'll be excited to see who comes out.
0: And, coach, obviously you're going to need. Everybody rowing the boat the same way, and you're going to need your your bench guys to contribute. You're going to need the starters to do what they do, and all of that other things. But uh, if I were to say to you, for the Moncton Magic to win this series, blank has to happen. For you, what would be the most important thing that would fill in that blank?
1: Uh, defensive rebounding. Um, I, I, I just I think that's such a huge thing in this series for, for a lot of reasons, um, you know, how the facts is, is the best offensive rebounding team in the league. Uh, they have a ton of size in the front court. And I think when you allow them guys like Shadrach and Meshach Lufiel and Ramil Brown, you know, and Jordan Washington. And when you allow those guys a lot of second chance opportunities to score the basketball, they become a much deeper team you know, that's how those guys really impact the game on the offensive end. Um, and, you know, that that's scary when, when they become deeper with more impactful players and kind of what they already have. Um, you know, I also think us rebounding the ball on the defensive end allows us to get out and transition a little bit, where I think we've been very good offensively uh, over the last month, month and a half. And, you know, it also limits Halifax possessions, you know, to a pretty good offensive team. So, you know, it sounds like a very simple thing. <laughs> it, it's, a, it's a very difficult thing to do uh, against Halifax, but uh, I think that's maybe the most important key to the series is the effort and the job we do on, on the defensive glass.
0: Well, it's not that far away as we do this podcast live. Uh, little more than a day and a bit till tip-off tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Atlantic at the Avenir Center. Come on, fans, get out, support the team, show how much you love the Moncton Magic, and for whatever reason, if you can't be there, you can certainly tune in and watch it on NBLC Live. Dave Tingley and I will bring you all of the action. So, Coach, uh, we'll move off from basketball. We've kind of covered that series. Now the next thing is to tip it off and play. However, the format of Magic Time just wouldn't be complete if we didn't stay with sports, but veer off to another sport and you and I were talking about it last week at the beginning of the Masters and my goodness whether you're a golf fan, a sports fan or just a fan of high drama in general what were you thinking when it's Sunday and Tiger's in red and all of a sudden he's hunting down the pack
1: I was I was in my glory, Scott. <laughs> I was, I was in my glory on, on my living room couch and, uh, you know, not missing a, a second of that final round. And, um, you know, it was, it was funny. I had, I had kind of done some work in the morning, you know, on Halifax. And I said, okay, I'm blocking off the next six hours. This could be a special day in, in sports and in the history of sports. And, and we'll get back to work tonight. And, um, it was just incredible. It was incredible to watch. And, You know, I've I've been a Tiger fan, like, like you know, like any kid. You know, I was like like you were a Michael Jordan fan. You know, I I love watching greatness, and I think some people have a tendency to to kind of be haters on on greatness, or some people want to see greatness fail. And I just don't think you can argue that Tiger Woods is one of the the most iconic, you know, greatest athletes of of his generation, maybe of all time, and. And to see him succeed again after such a long layoff was was just incredible. I mean, it was. Inc- I, I recorded it. I mean, I'm watching it live and I'm recording it because I may want to go back and watch it after, you know. And um, it was it was really cool. I mean, it was uh, certainly got you in the feels too, you know, and when his kids were there, uh, you know, after and uh, they compared photos of him and his father and, and now him and his children, you know, some 20 years later. And it was just a, a memorable, memorable moment uh, in sports.
0: Now, I know that you enjoy the game, that you break it down, and, you, and you've got your you know, your your players that you enjoy. But watching Tiger, you know, as all of a sudden Molinari starts to, you know, he, he dumped a couple of shots, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, Tiger's up by one, Tiger's up by two. But for you, when you were watching it, when did you get the feeling that, okay, yeah, he's got this? You know, was it on the front nine? Was it the back nine? Was it after that crazy shot there on the final round that he kind of got it out of the the trees or the woods. But was there a moment for you, just personally, knowing Tiger like you do and being a fan like you do, that you were like, yeah, this is Tiger. It's Sunday. He's in red. It's over.
1: I think it was a tee shot on 12. I think it was, um, of course, he he led, you know, that hole. He had the honors, that hole, and he teed off first. And, you know, it's a tough green to hit. And and when he put it on the green, um, I'm like, okay. You know, this, I think I think this is actually the time. And then for Malinari to put it in the water and Finau um, put it in the water, you just knew right then and there. And I think that's when Tiger, you know, smelled blood in the water. And, and then, of course, the tee shot on 16 where he almost had a hole-in-one. I mean, you just knew. But for me, it was the 12th hole. I'm like, I felt like I was, you know, 23 again watching Tiger in his prime. And and I think that's what was so exciting because so I just remember how often, you know, I'd watch the Masters and watched, you know, Tiger Woods just dominate a lot of times with my father, you know, we watch it together and uh, so it was uh, it was it was incredible. I mean it was really one of the coolest sports moments I've seen in a really long time and um, I think it was great. I think it was great for golf and great for sports.
0: Yeah, and being such a big Tiger fan like you are, uh, you know, watching him walk up to the eighteenth green and the gallery is there and they're just you can feel the anticipation coming through the television set they're waiting for him to sink that final putt that's going to seal the deal for him uh coach i mean i can almost sense it now but you know were you like leaning forward did you have goosebumps what was that like waiting for him to sink that putt and to have that moment cuz also the 5 or 6 minutes after that when they followed him off the course and to the ward the clubhouse and like you said hugging his kids his mom his his wife all that stuff but you know what was kind of the emotion like for you because i mean i know for my sports icons when i see them do something great i get goosebumps and tingles but what was it like for you at that championship moment
1: yeah that's that, that's really what it was for me it was a lot of goosebumps and um you know i, I knew he was going to sink the putt i mean he has a you know 16 inches or, or so to to win the masters and you knew he was making the putts. Uh, to me, it was it was so cool after the fact and, you know, hugging his children, hugging his mom. and But then the walk to turn in the scorecard, the emotion that he showed, uh, you just don't see. You just don't see that from, from Tiger Woods. Certainly not since a lot of his, his off-the-course issues and, you know, he's just become a very reserved person. And I think... Um, I think he's very cautious. He's always been of kind of how he acts in front of people. And, and you know, I, I, I can relate to that a little bit, Scott. I mean, obviously not on the same platform as a Tiger Woods, but, you know, I mean, when you're in a certain job and you're in sports and you're in the public eye, you know, and, and you know, you're, you're always a little reserved. You're always kind of, you know, watching how you act and you certainly want to represent yourself well and your organization well. And, you know, I tell people all the time, you know, you, you could be, in a restaurant you know and and maybe there's 12 15 people in the restaurant who may know who you are but you have no idea that they know that and so you just always want to you're a little always a little reserved a little cautious and I think Tiger threw that all to the wind uh in that walk up to the the clubhouse and that was cool to see I mean that to me was like you know he's letting it go and, and he's he is truly proud of his accomplishment and that was kind of the coolest thing for me to, to watch. And um, it was just, it was awesome. I don't know how else to describe it.
0: Yeah. He just, I mean, you could feel that, if you will, human side coming out and the smiling and high five and some of the fans and, and all of that. Now, being the Tiger aficionado that you are, um, 43 years old, he's won his fifth Masters, one behind the great Jack Nicholas, who was my Tiger Woods. Because I'm way older than you, Coach, but when I was a kid, Jack Nicklaus was my Tiger Woods. He was my guy. I loved Jack Nicklaus. I loved watching him play. He and Guy Fleur were my two sports icons. But he's one Masters behind Jack. Uh, he's now three majors from tying Jack Nicklaus for most majors all time. Four away from completing it. Uh, knowing what you know, uh, if you were a betting man, does he get, does he tie Jack for the Masters, and does he catch and surpass Nicklaus for all time majors?
1: if I was a betting man um I think he's going to tie jack nicholas for for majors I don't know if he's going to surpass him I think he will he will tie eighteen majors one by the time his career is, is said and done um, I also think he could possibly win one more masters because I think you know tiger his experience on that course and I, I just think that uh, you know there's a possibility of him winning that tournament again over the next two to three to four years. you know to win two more masters. I don't know if I see that, so if I was a betting man, I would kind of say I like the possibility of him tying jack uh, in both those records, number of masters won and, and number of majors won to surpass i I think he'd have to get another one this year. I think he'd have to win one more major this year to surpass, but uh but we'll see. He looks pretty good this weekend. I, I hope he does, you know, and uh you know, but we'll have to wait and find out.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. The other really cool thing is that uh, TSN Sports Center did a top ten of the best Tiger Woods shots, and I'm watching it and I'm like, Man, like I forgot just how many incredibly memorable, iconic shots that Tiger Woods has had over his career. And you, you referenced Michael Jordan Uh, earlier, and when you think about it, from the basketball realm of our generation, probably some of the most iconic shots that you can think of were taken by Michael Jordan. You've seen the replays over and over, and that was kind of what I was experiencing watching Tiger. What's your favorite Tiger Woods shot ever?
1: Boy. um, Man, there's been a lot, Scott. I think probably in what it might have been 2001 I think when he you won the masters pretty sure that was it might have been earlier it was it was a chip shot it might have been a chip shot on on 12 maybe maybe 16 I, I, it was a chip shot where the ball just hung on on the lip right it just hung there for a you know it might have been 3 to 4 seconds it felt like in real time and then it finally dropped in and um that, that to me is the, you know, the tiger shot. But I think the best moment, the best tiger moment, um, is probably what I just witnessed this weekend. I mean, it, it really probably is. It, it probably is him, uh, this weekend is, is my now most fondest tiger moment, uh, in his incredible career. Uh, but yeah, there was a chip shot. I couldn't tell you the whole, I know it was at the masters. Um, that was just a incredible shot. I guess that's what I think of when I think of tigers similar to Jordan. You know, you, you always think of like the Craig Elo jumper, you know, at the elbow uh, that he hit at the buzzer to win or or obviously the shot, you know, that he hit over uh, Russell against uh, the Jazz in 97. So there's lots of cool moments like that. Too many to, to, to remember, really.
0: Well, in uh, for what it's worth, the top 10, the number one shot, at least who how, whoever put it together for them was indeed that really long shot that kind of curved one way and then back the other. And as you said, it hung on the lip. And I remember a buddy of mine who I, I worked with uh, at Eastlink TV for a number of years, Matt Beardsley. He and I are a huge sports fan and he is gigantic golf. He actually messaged me and he was like, man, how happy is Nike right now? Because if you remember, the ball just kind of hung there and it was the Nike logo that was just <laughs> at the lip and it rolled in. And, but yeah, that was that was what they chose as the number one shot. Well, listen, Coach, uh, thank you so much again for hanging out and talking about the upcoming series versus the Halifax Hurricanes. uh, Game one tomorrow night, Thursday, April the 18th at 7 p.m. at the Avenir Center. Game two will go Saturday uh, at 7 p.m. as well at the Avenir Center. And, Coach, uh, always good to talk basketball, golf, and everything else. And uh, good luck in the series. And, of course, we will see you tomorrow night.
1: Okay, Scott, thanks for your time, and and yeah, we'll see you uh, tomorrow evening.
0: Definitely excited about it. That is Coach Joe Salerno of the Moncton Magic. Really appreciate him taking some time, as always. And it's funny, I messaged Coach uh, earlier about doing the podcast, and uh, I, I said, you know, do you have some time? And Coach said, yeah, 10 to 10.45. And I thought that Coach was meaning that that was the window, that I could pick a time in between there to start. And actually what he was doing was he was telling me that he was setting aside 10 to 1045, because he knew that we would probably go 30, 40 minutes or so. And as I'm just about to wrap up, we're coming up to 41 minutes. So see, coach, always coaching. He knows. But again, big thank you to Joe Salerno. Want to give a shout out as well to Brock Gallant from C103 Moncton's Rock Station in Moncton. Brock is putting together a little uh, pre-series two, round two, little notebook for C103. So uh, look for that on Moncton's Rock Station, big supporters of the Moncton Magic, so you can check out Brock Gallant right there. If you're not listening to them on the radio, you can check them out online as well. So thank you to Coach, and thank you to you for listening to Magic Time. I'm Scott Squires. We'll see you tomorrow night on NBLC Live, and remember friends, if you can't take part in sport, be a good one anyway. Bye for now.